Let me hear ya! All one! All two! All three! Take him out at the ball game! Toss a beer from the crowd! Wind up a fastball and whack his back! I don't care if the umpire gets tracked! So let's root, root, root for some blood sleep. If the match is all clear, it's a shame. For us, one, two, three teams knocked out at the old ball game. Welcome to another Diamond Dust Ups. I am Paul Gordon, former radio guy, current mushroom farmer, and lifelong baseball denizen. And I am joined, as always, by Travis Doyle, uh, former baseball player, current coach, and facility owner. What's the name of that facility again? Dagda Baseball, Dag- Michigan. Dagda. East of East Lansing. That's right. You're, you need to get better at plugging yourself. Yeah, it's I, been busy. I, I need to stop plugging you. Right. Uh, uh, on the on the show, yeah. Actually, it's I'm a family kind of show. I almost stopped talking about it because I'm busy as hell. So it's been uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, you don't. <laughs> well, we don't want to say you don't need the work. No, yeah. But uh, it's good news. Dag the baseball is doing uh, up and running, doing great up there in East Lansing. So uh, Travis, we, my friend, should acknowledge uh, my associate producer for the day, and that is uh, Tilted Earth Winter. Hazy IPA from Arbor Brewing Company, about to go out of season as it is day 92, I believe, of the lockout as we're recording this, and the first two series of the season have been canceled. Cheers to that, Travis. Cheers, cheers. A different type of dust up this season. (laughs) What a mess. Indeed, it is uh, quite a bit of a mess and a litigious dust up. Yeah. Uh, the worst of, yes. yeah, we'll never do a show about it. <laughs> we will right. never. If there is a fight that breaks out, it's uh, very possible. I, I'm not sure I can make that guarantee, Travis. <laughs> we are, we are, write a book about it. We are seven episodes deep. Right. We are uh, looking to uh, have a 10 part, at least, uh, opening season. Yes. So uh, I can't make that guarantee i haven't written the last three yet depending mm-hmm. how long this goes and how annoyed i am i may do a bit of an expose on these greedy greedy fucks <laughs> that own major league baseball teams oh yeah there was a great thing i heard about that too um they were talking about taking the 700 players that are major league players and you lose those guys and bring in the next 700 it would really affect the game but if you got rid of just the owners and brought in other rich dudes the thing might actually the system might get better even. system's probably <laughs> going to change like, for who the should good should we push towards here I, <laughs> like, let's see we, we change like 30 <laughs> or 700 <laughs> what do you want to do mm. <laughs> i want to see the best players <laughs> oh and you know where like those 700 players are going to end up at least half of them will end up in in the japanese league yep. and uh and espn's going to show it and we're all going to watch and it and we're all going to watch it mm-hmm. and Major League Baseball will die a slow, horrendous, pathetic death. <laughs> the Japanese League has 49 teams this year. <laughs> <laughs> the playoffs have really been expanded. <laughs> They're going to have to do like a, something like the, you know, the soccer system of things, like three years in. Yeah. As we said now, uh, the players have won with a 12-team uh, playoff as opposed to 14 team and nothing's finalized so who mm. knows what the hell's going to happen or when right but for now 
It's a good thing, Travis, that Diamond Dustups, the podcast about baseball altercations, is at its essence an American history podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're seeing it right now. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you coming along for the ride. Uh, we will uh, want to, of course, always reference our sources for this uh, Diamond Dustups episode seven, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, baseballreference.com, saber.org, Wikipedia, and the YouTube channels of Major League Baseball, uh, which is just MLB on YouTube, MLB Vault, and 80s Sports Home, which, if you want to get into some mustaches and hairstyles, I highly recommend 80s Sports Home. 80s Sports Home. Oh, yeah. What's that? Can you, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get a little look at it later. This is just okay. one of the videos, uh, one of the sources for the videos that yeah, have yeah. Uh, chosen to display what's gone on in this week's Diamond Dustups. And right now, Travis, it's time for our player introductions. Pasquale. Gross Perez. Gross is not a nickname. That's just the middle name. It's just the, the man's middle name. I like it. Born May 17th, 1957 in San Cristobal, Dominican Republic. Professional baseball pitcher in the major leagues for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Atlanta Braves, Montreal Expos, and the New York Yankees. Perez was signed by scout Neftali Cruz for the Pittsburgh Pirates organization in 1976. He reached the Major League Club in 1980, was traded to the Braves on June 30th, 1982. He enjoyed his winningest seasons whilst with that organization, going 15-8 and and 14-8 in 1983 and 1984, respectively. Not bad numbers there. Oh, yeah. Especially in the National League. Right. Uh, you're going you're gonna to win or lose a lot of games because they're trying to keep you in as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, slender. At six feet two inches and 162 pounds, he received extensive press coverage for both on-field and off-field controversies throughout his career. On the day Perez received his first driver's license, Travis, Mm -hmm. he was scheduled to pitch his fifth start as a Brave at his first, I believe, at Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta at 7.30 in the evening. Did you say if he was a righty or lefty? He is a righty. Rainer. Yep. And uh, when I say slender, he, he is kind of a he, one classic beanpole. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tall, skinny, uh, looks more like a classic National League leadoff hitter. Definitely. Uh, I'm than, picturing than some guys that I used to play with, too, especially with Dominican dudes that are tall and slender. They usually look really whippy on the mound. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like real yeah. and lever-esque kind of guys, you know? And he has a very unique, uh, kind of a pretty unique motion. So on his uh, fifth start, his first schedule, I believe, at Fulton County Stadium, uh, 7.30 that evening. Maybe it's not his first one, but he's, he's trying to get to the stadium. Uh, he left his apartment, plenty of time. He got lost on the way to the ballpark because, again, it's the day he's received his first driver's license. Yeah, he's ever. <laughs> he's not Maybe he's here. driven, <laughs> yeah. but, and he's freshly traded. And he's in Atlanta right now. He's talking. a new driver yeah, he's in Atlanta. a new country, yeah. in a new city within the country, <laughs> and he's in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. And anybody who's been or heard even a story about Atlanta knows the traffic is notoriously shite. Oh, yeah. So he lives 15 minutes from the park. 
But again, a new driver in a new city notorious for its traffic, he got on I-285, which is, Travis, a ring road. He's just going in circles? He circled the entirety of Atlanta (laughs) three times. I don't mean to laugh. It's kind of rude. So. <laughs> I feel bad. I got to cop to it. I, this happened to be on 496 yeah. uh, uh, in Lansing, which is also a ring road around the city. Uh, fresh out of high school. Oh, yeah. I hadn't been out much. I'm a good driver, but you know, I was mm. you know, I learned to drive like the Dukes of Hazard did out in the country. Yeah, I was late. Sticks. I was late my first day of college. Grand Rapids got lost. Yeah, no, definitely. But my buddy Gary's uh, Gary Gerke. Shout out to you. Unless you become sort of white, some sort of white nationalist, then fuck you. Yeah, fuck <laughs> but I'm hoping. Hey, shout out to you. Uh, uh, was driving. He what? He needed a nap. Mm-hmm. So I get in the driver's seat. Uh, we're headed west out to Silver Lake on the Lake Michigan. Oh yeah. And uh, we're just like other side, just the uh, just this side of Lansing. Why don't we switch the seats? I get in. For some reason, I get on 496. <laughs> and I just circle the whole city. Yeah. It took about an hour and a it's half. A big loop. It's a big loop. And I was just like, when is this? When do I? I don't remember this. <laughs> Are we there? I'm I, driving. I, I don't know. I, I, right. Exactly. <laughs> he wakes up and is, he is hot as fucking blazes, man, mm-hmm. uh, that we've been driving around in a circle you're while farther, he's been napping. You're farther away than when he... Yeah. We, in fact, were farther away <laughs> yes. than Classic. when he went to sleep. You learned some that day, though, Paul. So I, I, I would like to go ahead and empathize, if I may, with Mr. Pasquale Perez right here. So he's almost run out of gas here, and he stops in to you know, get a quick couple of bucks to try to figure out where he is. The gas station attendant... Says, you Pasquale Perez? They're looking for you at the ballpark. <laughs> He's been on TV. They're asking about him. <laughs> He's They don't the know where he is. <laughs> so with some fresh directions to go with his fresh Jerry curls, Pasquale figured it out and arrived 10 minutes after the game had started with uh, one of the Negroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't know if it's Phil or Joe, frankly, uh, who had started on three days rest. To go in and throw them knuckleballs. I guess it's not a big deal for that guy. But no, yeah, he's the best he guy. You do for that it. all day long. Yeah. Uh, he, in fact, won that game. So uh, this is all just a little background on our my, our friend Pasquale. Uh, he was, however, arrested for cocaine possession in his native Dominican Republic between the 1983 and 1984 seasons, and did not rejoin the Braves until May. Of 84, he admitted the coke was in his car to the Braves, but swore it wasn't his. Mm. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I can't even assume. I've I've heard some stories about Dominican Republic. I've never been there before. It's definitely a different world than the United States. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the United States has no cocaine in it. (laughs) <laughs> None. He often drew the ire of his opponents, Mr. Perez, using an imaginary finger gun to shoot opponents after a strikeout. Yeah, like this. <laughs> and then he would pound the baseball into the ground on occasion, like our friend Al Hraboski. <laughs> well, while it is customary for pitchers to walk back to the bench after completing an inning, he would run full speed to the dugout, gold chains and long curly locks bouncing along the way. And after an Indian ending strikeout especially, he eventually added the Pasquale pitch, his version of the Ephus pitch, mm. which should tell you a little bit about Pasquale. Pasquale liked him some Pasquale. Oh, yeah. It's already got a name, man. It's the Ephus pitch. Yeah. Okay? You do, you're throwing a big lobby ball. 
overhanded instead of underhanded. It's, no, man. It's, it's, that's been done. <laughs> Guy no. went to the All-Star game and struck out <laughs> Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and I think Ted, somebody else, like huge, like in a row throwing that pitch. So you did. But anyway, not many people throw it, so I got props for Pasquale yeah. for putting the EFAS in his repertoire of five effective pitches. Okay. Alan Anthony Wiggins. Talk about your quintessential skinny National League leadoff hitter. Alan Wiggins was definitely that. Born February 17th, 1958 in Los Angeles. Professional second baseman and outfielder for the San Diego Padres and Baltimore Orioles between 1981 and 1987. A speedy leadoff hitter, Wiggins had his best season with the pennant-winning Padres in 1984. He batted one slot in the lineup ahead of Tony Gwynn that year, and the pair's offensive production helped the Padres win the National League Championship Series and advance on to the World Series, where, of course, they lost to our Tigers. Thank God. Thank we goodness. Needed that. We trounced them, too. We still great. talk about it, too. We, we love that else. shit here. We can't get enough because we haven't had one since. Yeah, someone mentions 84, it just, it's, uh, you know. Well, just anybody who was there or, or or is a child of a parent who was around. Yeah, I was born in August of 83, so I claim that shit. Obviously, it was my good luck of being around. <laughs> oh, my God, I must just spit out my beer realizing <laughs> that fact. I think I got a button somewhere saying it. That's great. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I went nuts. I absolutely went nuts and jumped around the room when Gibson hit that home run. Yeah. All right, so what are we talking about again? Oh, yeah, not the Tigers. Sorry. Wiggins grew up, or are we? That's later. Wiggins grew up in California, uh, attended Pasadena City College before being drafted by the California Angels in 77. He played in the minor league systems of the Angels and the Los Angeles Dodgers, setting a professional baseball single-season record with 120 stolen bases in 1980. That's all of professional baseball. He made his major league debut with the San Diego Padres in 1981 and became a regular player within two years. In 1983, he set the Padres' single-season stolen base record, a mark that he extended to the following season. His uh, 1984 stolen bases total 70 as of this Wikipedia, which I believe was last updated in 2019, still a team record. And you said 120 in one year? Yes. Holy shit. And is that still the record? I believe so, yes. That's a lot. Damn, dude. It is quite a bit. I kind of let you skip over that. When I heard I'd it, have I didn't to really Google it. it. To, that's why I wanted to clarify all of baseball. So at least at the time, he'd set the record. I'm not sure if uh, Ricky... Uh, Ricky didn't see that number and be like, Ricky, Ricky get, didn't Ricky, see that number. Ricky, Ricky like, going to run. Ricky see that number. Ricky going to run. Ricky going to run. Ricky going to run. But yeah, it's, uh, it, Maury Wills, I believe, held it at the time for uh, Major League Baseball with not 120. That's all we know. Uh, Wiggins was born in Los Angeles to his mother. Carla raised him as a single mother. As a child, he played baseball with his friends at the park across the Rose Bowl. He was a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers with their base deal and shortstop, the aforementioned Maury Wills. Uh, Wiggins graduated from John Muir High School in Pasadena, was also the alma mater of Dodgers star Jackie Robinson. Gib Bodette, a scout for the Montreal Expos, noticed Wiggins in high school. Wiggins, at six feet two, was taller than a typical infielder at the time, especially. He was only an average hitter and fielder, but his speed stood out to Bodette. The Angels selected Wiggins as the eighth overall pick of the 77 amateur draft. And I've got some repeated stuff here. Oh, here's the bit that I really like uh, to close out 
the backstory for now on Mr. Al Wiggins. Uh, Angels coach Bob Clear told Wiggins that his excellent speed would help him to a high batting average, even if his hitting skills were not that strong. Second baseman style things, yeah. Quote, if you can hit 200, you can run the other 80 points. Mm -hmm. And if you can hit 280, you can lead off for anybody. Just being a second baseman, you know, play your position well, be in the middle of the field, and yeah. Cover a lot of ground. Hit over 250. Knock it down. Hit over 250. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With that speed, you're going to extend your your uh, run production for sure. Yeah. So Wiggins signed with the Angels in May for 2500 bucks after what Bodette described as a tough negotiation. And what was Bodette's uh, first name? Uh, goodness, I've forgotten already, but it is interesting. Uh, thank you for uh When you first said me. it, it sounded like something from... I don't know, the Matrix or some shit. Gib. Gib Bodette. Gib Bodette. Probably short for Gibson or... Okay. I feel like there was a commercial that had Bodette in it, that's, right? Uh, that's Tom Bodette. Tom. That's okay. From the motel chain. You can also hear him on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR as a regular Is he? panelist. Yes. Oh, okay. he's, he's hilarious. The guy's funny. Uh, oh, let me scroll back where we were here. Anyway, uh, according to Bodette, after that tough, that tough negotiation came because Wiggins... As a single mother, quote, did not trust easily. And that may have had something to do with raising her, her son right. oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, too. Because <laughs> uh, uh, Wiggins also had his troubles with some substances and kind of got ran himself out of the league at, near the end of his career. But that's not and for he now. Had, and he had a six-year six year major league career, I think? 81 to 87, yes. Okay. Very good. Uh, James Robert Bob Horner. Born August 6, 1957 in Junction City, Kansas. Played the majority of his Major League Baseball career with the Atlanta Braves. He played mostly as a third baseman who later transitioned into a first baseman as he was hampered by injuries for most of his career. Horner also played one season for the Nippon Professional Baseball League as a member of the Tokyo Yakult Swallows. And a bit less than a season with the Cardinals after that year, where he hit 38 home runs. Uh, not with the Cardinals, over there in Tokyo. Oh, got ya. 38 before he came back? 38, yep. So he had a big year Yeah. after he you know, couldn't uh, come back on with the Braves and came back and just couldn't quite make it through mm-hmm. the whole season. Horner was born in Junction City, Kansas, but grew up in Glendale, Arizona, attending Apollo High School, where he set school records. His college career at Arizona State University culminated with Bob being named the first winner of the Golden Spikes Award. Nice. With his nine home runs in 1976, he is tied with Ike Davis, 2006, for third all-time by a Sun Devil freshman, two behind. Got a guess? Yeah, I know I know a little bit about the... Um, I, I, know, I know a guy that went to school there, so I know a lot of guys that actually he was the bat boy for. Um, so I'm guessing Bonds. It I was mean, Barry Bonds yeah. in 1983. <laughs> very a, good. Very good. Guy. He was even talking about how nice of a guy Bonds is, even though he keeps to himself. He's like, you know him since he was a kid, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, so, right. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. It would be it'd be interesting to, to have known somebody like that very yeah. young and then stayed in contact with them throughout their whole life at Definitely. some point. And, yeah, I, I had a weird, you know, I, I didn't grow I knew a lot of guys that 
you know, grew up in major league dugouts. Like when you get to professional baseball, you start to run into some of these guys. And my closest thing to that is I got to meet Frank Thomas when I was in the White Sox organization. And I, I used to play at a field for the national championship in college at a field that he played high school USA baseball at. Oh, right so on. when he was 17, he had this giant picture of him. And I remember mentioning it to him when I met him. You know what I mean? But that was like the closest connection I ever had from like where I seen someone's history to that. Or yeah. I guess I played on the same field Jeter did in high school, but like because it's in Kalamazoo, but I yeah. never met the guy, you know? Yeah, right, but, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. These people that have grown up in major league dugouts. You know, it's it's, it's crazy yeah, to hear. Real. And I, I probably have like, met like five Griffey. or six, and yeah, yeah, totally. And like that's they, he grew up with the big red. Well, he was he born? Yeah, he would have been born. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was grew up with the big red machine, man. Well, yeah, and he was already in the league by the time he was nineteen, right? Yeah, or something it's like that. Crazy. It's nuts. Played with his dad. Yeah, I was just watching a video about that when he stole that that. Uh, fly ball away from him you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's there asking his dad about it he's like i don't want to he's like i don't want to talk about that i mean i grounded him is that what you guys want to hear me talking about he's still 19 years old i can ground him you know, he's... <laughs> which makes sense i got it pops yeah a second baseman for tsn's college all-america team in 1977 and 78 horner set a then ncaa record of 58 career home runs for arizona state and set a 25-homer single-season record, was selected the MVP of the 1977 College World Series. He's got some legit bona fides coming into the league. Horner was drafted by Atlanta with the first overall pick in the 1978 amateur draft. He made his Major League Baseball debut the same year. First overall. Yep, and then right into the league in your first season. He's one of only a handful of players to go directly from college to the starting lineup in the majors without spending a day in the minor he leagues. He didn't even go for a week? No. That's in cool. his first game, he belted a home run off a of future Hall of Famer, Burt Blylevin of the Pirates. Damn. Not fucking around. Coming in with it. Coming, coming in, in high. Coming in high. Come said Bob. Damn. And how old was he? Uh... He's out of college. He's out of so, college. Yeah. And he went to Arizona exactly. State, so I think they probably had the same rules where they had to be a junior, so he's probably 20, 21. Yeah, right in there somewhere. Young to be facing Burt Blylevin in his prime. Mm-hmm. In 89 games, Horner batted 266 with 23 home runs and 63 RBI in 323 at-bats with an on-base percentage of 313, slugging percentage of 539. That's uh, Damn, almost 850. You said That's about eight, nine, 90 games, 20-some homers? 89 games, 23 homers. Damn. Like, you know, he's in a lot of solo taters. Mm-hmm. He's got just under a third. It was a little over a third of uh, those RBI are him right. running across the plate. But, uh, yeah, that's a nice debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 23 home runs, by the way, led all National League third baseman in 1978. We're talking about a guy uh, when Mike Schmidt was playing. Mm. He won the National League Rookie of the Year honor over Ozzie Smith. In August of 1983, Homer, Horner, rather, I keep wanting to say Homer, <laughs> because the R and the N, never mind. <laughs> Just going to shut that one down. Yeah, yeah. In August 1983, Horner was hitting 303 with 20 homers at a career-high OBP of 383 when he fractured his right wrist while sliding, missing the last 43 games of the season. It always happens with sliding, man. Everybody breaks their wrist and fucking sliding into bags. It always happens while sliding? It just seems like the mass majority of injuries I see on the Travis, field. Travis, to prove why I don't believe in absolutes. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> There's other right things here. About that. In May 1984, Horner broke his left wrist while diving after a ball. Right. <laughs> and he was sidelined for the rest of the season. I like to put my foot in my mouth a little bit. It's sure. part of the show, I feel like. Man likes to taste the toes. Leave him alone. Yeah. You let me go off and, you know, trails here and there. But <laughs> I guess I deserve it. John Jr. Champ Summers. You want a minute with that? Not really. It sounds like the most American shit ever. <laughs> Travis just muttered, it's only the most American shit I've ever heard. He still wears his varsity jacket at 28. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, you don't know how close you are. Now, I'm not I'm not here to diss John Jr. Champ Summers. In fact, I, I was did. a <laughs> Champ Summers fan because he spent a couple of years. Sparky brought him over to the Tigers, which we'll talk. We won't really talk about it. We'll yeah. mention it. Uh, so I spent some of my childhood years Be a big champ uh, with Champ hitting mm-hmm. home runs, and uh, I, I was a big Champ Summers fan. Just to be, uh, just to, for in the interest of full disclosure, yeah. In case somebody thinks this is a biased report in some way, there's some disclosure for you, and it is full, and you may do with it what you will, including Jimmy Debbie. Right, <laughs> John Junior. Champ Summers, June fifteenth, nineteen forty-six, was a major league baseball outfielder and first baseman. Outfielder, we're going to use that term loosely because he did not play much. In the field, he was primarily used as a pinch hitter whilst in the National League, and then as a designated hitter for six teams over his 11-year career that spanned from '74 to 1984. Summers played with the Oakland Athletics, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Detroit Tigers, San Francisco Giants, and San Diego Padres. Summers, who was born in Bremerton, Wisconsin, (laughs) take two. Summers, who was born in Bremerton, Washington. Sorry to Wisconsin and or Washington. Came from a family of athletes with a father who was a prize fighter in the United States Navy and a mother who was a pro bowler. Wait, so he fought for prizes in the Navy? <laughs> Did they do that? <laughs> what I kind of prizes does he that get? You that <laughs> nugget out of, yes, apparently they let the man keep the money. <laughs> when he won the fight, or Dude, he, I, I just picture them sending him to like South Korea, and he's wrapping his wrist in fucking, you know, bamboo or something. Like, look, I don't know look, what he's kid, doing. we got a special mission for you. <laughs> There's a light heavyweight in South Korea. <laughs> yeah, we know we're pals with him now. Everything's fine, sure, but he thinks he can whip you. And we want you to whoop them real good for just thinking out loud. Do it for the country. You're going to do it for America. You're going to do it for your mother. And you're going to do it because it's an order, son. <laughs> I think he wins like a bag of diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's what I'm picturing. Don't tell anybody, especially the general. <laughs> yeah. he, he palms four of them every fight and stays for his retirement. Yeah, he's, well, he's got five diamonds like on top of each knuckle, yeah. under the glove. It's <laughs> a little Navy uh, secret <laughs> to making sure you win the fight. <laughs> so uh, I will repeat, uh, yes, his father was a prize fighter in the United States Navy. Now, whether that means he was fighting for the Navy or whilst in the Navy in every port would find the fight club in town. Oh, yeah. It's probably the cartoon version the that the money home yeah. with him and get back on the boat after he whooped everybody's ass. All we know is we're dealing with a tough son of a bitch here. It's probably super honorable, too. So if anybody knows what that is, let us know. Yeah, please. If you are in the Navy and have prize fought oh, yeah. whilst in the Navy. We want details. Diamond 
dustups at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you. We really would. So, and his mother, by the way, again, Travis, pro bowler. Yes. Uh, I skip right over that. Come on. <laughs> um, Look, yeah, I, I can't get on you for getting hung up with Navy prize fighter. Jesus. I, I almost had to stop the it, whole it was article loaded, and just do an article on Champ's it was, dad. That was the most loaded sentence you said all day. <laughs> <laughs> Summers received his nickname, Champ, from his father. Quote, dad took one look at me when I was born and said, he looks like he's just gone 10 rounds with Joe Lewis. <laughs> Say that about your own kid. It's your fucking fault, Dad. Travis, you ever seen a baby <laughs> fresh out of the old badge? Have you uh, ever seen one? Yeah, yeah. They do look like they've been punched in the mug. They look like they went through hell. I mean, especially... They look just like you, only if you're real tiny and have been yeah. punched in the face by Joe Lewis. It's an accurate description. Yeah, the only one I saw was my, uh, you know, my oldest nephew. God, he just looks so pink, man. Look beat up. He looked beat up. See? Mushy. See? Yeah. Exactly. And I think white babies are known to be like some of the other Oh, we're notoriously swollen, we puffy. We don't look good. We're soft people, Travis. Yeah, we're, we're a very weird soft shade people. of red when you come out that doesn't look healthy. I'm still sort of pink. I, I've never I'm not been pink. pretty translucent sure. myself, yeah. <laughs> Champ served in the United States Army in the Vietnam War and was a recipient of the Purple Heart. Summers did not play... His first major league baseball game until he was Travis. Would you care to guess how many years old? Usually, guys get their average 25, 27. So I'm gonna say 27. See, you are only a year off. Okay. That's now usually- remember, the difference here is you said minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. There wasn't no goddamn minor league baseball for champ goddamn Summers. He was in goddamn Viet goddamn Nam. Okay. Fighting a goddamn police action. He was doing his thing before he got into the league. And then he league. showed back home. Up in a- he showed up in Oakland afterwards. Yeah. And started playing softball. Wait, beer already, league, presumably. Did, are you saying he already had a contract time. before no, no, he no, went? No, 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 no. So no, he goes no, to no, Vietnam. No, 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 no. He went to Vietnam. Okay. Not, as, as like a twenty-year-old, not year a old. baseball player. Okay, yeah, yeah. Fought in Vietnam, and then came place. home. So his baseball joined a beer <laughs> league. Fuck out of here! <laughs> An athletics scout <laughs> is happened out. to be at the ballpark when Champ Summers apparently hit like as eleven bombs into the fucking trees. What year is this again? This is like 1970. Uh, no, no, no. How is uh, there not a... 70. 1970. Yeah, like 70, like 71, right in there. He's oh, fresh yeah. out of Nam, like the worst of it. Ted Offensive has just happened, you know. <laughs> He's just playing some fucking softball, drinking some beers, trying to chill the fuck out. Can you imagine that phone call from the scout to, like, whoever his higher-ups are? Oh, my God. Randy, I'm listen, this beer you are not going to listen. I know you're going to call me a drunken <laughs> asshole again, but I need you to hear me out here. This guy can pepper the ball when it's under yeah, Oh, Okay, Bill, where are you? <laughs> again, Randy, you're going to call me a drunken asshole. <laughs> Bill, just tell me what the fuck's going on. I'm at the softball field, <laughs> and I'm about to sign a guy. Jesus, you drunken asshole. I told you you were going to call me that. Right. You're getting fired. But then it, it seems like it worked out. I mean, like, shit. You find the people in the weirdest places. You know? He was signed by the Oakland Athletics as an amateur free agent in 1971. That's crazy. After That's a great being story. discovered in a men's softball league. Right. 
That's the, like fast pitch softball is hard as shit. It was it was more like a, uh, a big looping. I don't know that it was that. It nobody. I tried to figure it out. It doesn't specify slow pitch okay. or fast pitch. Gotcha. All I know is this guy, the presumably drunken asshole of the scout organization yeah. for Oakland, got it right with Champ Summers. Beautiful. But again, now we know why he didn't play in the field much. Okay. Yeah. Because he could just hit. He could just mash for just naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a big, huge, ugly swing. Uh, Champ Summers, if if Tom Selleck hadn't been cast as Magnum, yeah, Champ Summers could have gotten the role just by walking down the street or going to a softball game, yeah. like he did to get on the Oakland Ace. Definitely. What was the name of the the Selleck baseball movie? There was a Tom Selleck baseball movie. Oh yeah, plays in Japan, right? You remember all this? Oh, vaguely. No, I don't remember. I don't think I want to know, Travis. No? You don't want to know that one? No. I know I, there's a lot of mustaches. and I want to have good memories of Magnum P.I. <laughs> okay, I won't even bring it up again. I'll never bring it up one more time. But I'm probably going to send you some videos. Thank the you, next Travis. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Travis's way of saying I'm going to inundate Paul's phone with videos <laughs> you just outed of yourself. Tom Selleck in a baseball <laughs> movie that is barely rememberable. <laughs> okay. And I'm actually kind of here for that. So this, Travis, uh, and, and now there are going to be many, many other uh, colorful characters in today's Dust Up, but those are the most colorful and uh, prominent of the players, really. Uh, and that all brings us to August 12th, 1984. I'm about to turn one years old in three days. So I just one make... year old in three yep. days, Travis, will yep. be. Okay, I remember I will, this vividly. I'll this play is a this good game. game. I am uh, 28 days from my 18th birthday. Okay. No, 17th birthday. Gotcha. October, it's, yes, October Do you remember this going down? Wait, no. 84. I just screwed myself up. Uh, I do have vague recollections of this being covered. Okay. Uh, and it could have been on TBS. Uh, well, it would have been on TBS. So it's a brave thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Atlantis, Fulton County Stadium should have been the dead giveaway there. Mm-hmm. Braves versus Padres in front of 23,000 plus hot lanterns, whose Braves are 10, maybe 10 and a half games back and chasing the front running Padres in the West for all they are worth because the Padres started 10 and 2, and much like the Tigers that year, were wire to wire. Uh, winners of the pennant mm. and uh, onto the World Series they went. So very interesting little side note from that season. But back to August 12th. Braves starter Pascual Perez, whose nicknames from his I-285 incident were uh, one of uh, two that were given to him, uh, Perimeter Pascual or uh, Wrong Way Perez. <laughs> Uh, Both very on the nose. I think wrong way is better, in my opinion. Wrong way, Perez. I would have went with wrong way. I think that's a good name. I'm a big fan of alliteration. I like the I like the Pasquale, the the perimeter Pasquale, the two P's. I, I like that. It's better. got a very superhero uh, kind of feel to it. It's a little more positive. I feel like he's you know he's gonna take the yeah take the circuitous the long way around, right. which is not a thing he ever did. So I mean, it doesn't really work. I'm not a big fan of either, really. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wrong way, Perez probably wins for me. You would have yeah. just been like, you'd been the guy on the team, and like, hey, I'm gonna call you Pasquale. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll be the, I'll be yeah, that guy. I'm gonna be like, yo, Squall. I'm gonna help you out. <laughs> we'll make it a different name. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna call him Squall. <laughs> like, because we're familiar like that. Okay, you know what I mean. I like how you don't follow trends, Paul. I'm uh, 
not one of those guys. No. <laughs> I see them and go like, well, I do like that, but I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> or like, oh, I see that coming, and no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dip back to like 1979 for a minute while you all are doing your 1986 thing, which, no thanks. Anyway. Just, you're not like a slap-the-butt, chest-bumpy kind of guy. I don't see you like, you know, like, uh, you know, like a scene of Top Gun. I'm not saying the butt or bump the chest. I'm not saying that at all. Tonight, uh, when I was in high school, as a serving method while playing volleyball, use the overhand oh, yeah. and shout "awesome" after every serve. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> Am I proud I of that? Fuck no, I'm not. Wish I could have been a fly on a wall for that. Yeah, you know, Sounds that's a good. little specific. Anybody who was in that gym class knows exactly who, who yeah. I am now, <laughs> for sure. If any of those people are still alive. <laughs> but enough about me, Travis. Yes, Brave starter, uh, Pad. Uh, Pasquale Perez has spent the evening before charting pitches in the dugout before his start the next day and giving Padres leadoff man Alan Wiggins all kinds of shit for trying to bunt his way on all night. Using that turn 200 into 280 speed of his. To his advantage. It's the National League. I'm like... Wiggs is like uh, just doing his fucking thing. This is my game here. Hey man, yeah. fuck you. This is what I do. I'm I'm out here getting paid to yeah. do this. My boss loves that I do this shit. Fuck you. So they jaw jack all night long, and according to uh, Steve Ripley, the game's first base umpire uh, from the night before, the two men were basically screaming at each other by Wiggins' fourth at bat. <laughs> yes. So that happened, and then the next day happens when the two teams meet again. Okay. And Perez is on the mound. All is quiet as Wiggins digs in against Perez for the first pitch of the game, but it doesn't stay that way long. (laughs) Travis, I want you to describe what you are about to watch for the folks as it happens in three, two, one. All right. First pitch of the game, right? Perez yep. hits him right above the belt in the ribs where you try to hit people. Go ahead and stop it. <laughs> no. Yeah, go ahead and stop it there. So, again, from the night before. Yep, there's a lot of chatter. A lot of chatter. First pitch of the game. Uh-huh. Righty to a lefty. That pretty much means he's coming across his body to hit him. All it's, the way across yeah. his body. And, and where exactly did he hit him, Travis? Hit him just above the belt, right in the right in the meat of his back for the most part. <laughs> yeah, right. If in. I had to call it, I would say just to the right side of his spine, yep. above the ass and belt. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly, that's perfectly described. So your thoughts on intention? That's, that's obvious, 100%. There's no way around it. He didn't try to do anything else, but he just <laughs> hit him. You know, And he hit him in the spot you're supposed to. But at the same no time, question. it was, yeah. No question. Go ahead and advance that to 29 seconds and wait for me while I tell you that post-plunking, the Padres go quietly in the first. Okay. While the Braves take a 2-0 lead after their half of the inning. Perez comes to the plate in the bottom of the second, and Whitson tries to hit him, but throws a wild pitch behind him okay, that yeah. misses everything somehow. Right. Both teams are given warnings by Ripley, working behind the plate for this game now. After having listened to all that shit from the first base box the night before, 
Uh, Perez strikes out eventually, but the Braves go up 3-0 after two. When Perez comes to the plate again in the bottom of the fourth inning, Ed Whitson, starter who has failed to hit him once right. He's by throwing again, behind though. him, <laughs> throws three straight pitches directly at Perez and he misses with all of them. <laughs> Was he moving or he just yeah? Oh Perez, yeah yeah. Oh Perez, he's is a dancing balls. fool. <laughs> he's dancing from that first, from the, from the from the second inning on, yep. his feet are never still in the batter's box. No, he's he knows we're going to look at uh, this clip is uh, all four pitches. Like okay. the first, the first pitch you'll see right. is the one that's and then behind three from the, him from yep. the second inning, and then the next three pitches in a row are three pitches in a row in a live baseball game that <laughs> happened. All right, so you, you seeing this, that? Yes, I can't wait. Go ahead and pull it up. Okay. And again, first pitch is... Oh, yeah, right behind him. Right he behind him. trying to bunt. Yep. Umpire grabs him. Umpire grabs him, and they're like, yeah. Yep, Boom. knees, knees. Knees, yeah, knees, hip. and hip, right? He's gone. Yep. And they have... Yep, that's it. Ripley has seen enough. Mm-hmm. Ejects Wilson, uh, Whitson... And Padres manager Dick Williams. Oh, everybody's gone. Well, yeah, that's the rule. Okay. Well, pitcher goes, manager goes. Yep. In a situation where the umpire thinks it's intentional. Making Greg Booker the new pitcher for the Padres and Ozzie Virgil Jr., the acting manager. With the Braves leading 4 nothing in the sixth, Perez comes to the plate again and is again thrown at and missed. Could not locate video for this sequence, Travis, because pitchers missing with bean balls have become old hat by now in this game, I suppose. <laughs> There's too many out There's there. too many opportunities. Like, you know, this is the sports center age. Like, uh, how many bean how many missed bean balls are we gonna put in the goddamn broadcast? I, I mean, we only have so much time. I need these ten second clips. Ten seconds, no longer. Get back there and recut it. There's not enough so there's, internet. So unfortunately, our friend Mr. Booker doesn't get the credit he deserves for missing Pascual Perez, and we don't get to see. Did you see the dancing? Oh yeah, he was all over the place. Oh, he was all. He's all over the box. He's oh, yeah. very agile, light on his feet, dainty, if you will. Yeah, and of course, very slim. Not a lot of them to hit. No, yeah, slim it's guy. like throw. It's like hitting a golf ball through a tree. It's ninety percent air. Yeah. But I dare you to do it. You just got to go right for it. Yeah, you just got to swing did. away. Oh, yeah. And so he, like, they, they, yeah. like, they literally hit go- four golf, five now, golf balls through a tree without hitting a branch. You have? No. These, the Padres <laughs> pitchers. <laughs> I was say, have. Don't brag about your <laughs> don't golf. Don't brag about your golf game in the middle of this <laughs> podcast baseball, about a baseball dude. vacation. <laughs> What's wrong with you, ball? You yeah, narcissistic like, prick. This isn't about you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it was, he's, a, he's a small guy to hit. He was definitely going for his thigh the whole time too. Like that yeah, was, they're trying it, so hard trying to, to get hit him, him the legs. and they are just failing mm-hmm. so hard at hitting him. Immediate ejections follow for Virgil and Booker, the latter of which is replaced. Uh, excuse me, the former of which is replaced by acting uh, manager Jack Kroll and Craig Lefferts ends up coming on in relief. Dick Williams had set up the chain of command for both acting manager and pitchers who will throw at Perez for the remainder of the game until somebody hits him before making his way to the stands to watch things unfold. He's left fucking marching orders. (laughs) This is how it's going to go down. This is how it's going down. 
Okay. All right, Ozzy, you're you're the you're the manager. All right. Okay. Throw in throw in what's his nuts. You, your Whitson's gonna wh- do not take Whitson out of this game until he hits that man. <laughs> and if Whitson doesn't go. hit that man, the next pitcher that's gonna hit that man is Booker. Mm-hmm. And the next pitcher after that, if he didn't get him hit for some fucking reason, is gonna be this guy. <laughs> and then you're gonna be the manager after that. And he goes like, and then just goes sits in the stands and gets a beer and watches. Yeah, this is why we have seven coaches. Get. <laughs> We've trained if for you've this. You've ever wondered. Yeah. The real reason is yeah. six might get thrown out of the game. Totally. Who was the oldest guy on the team? <laughs> You're taking the Let him sit there and be quiet until everyone else gets thrown out of the game. <laughs> That's amazing. So and then, On the bottom of that card, too, you just write what the fine is for not hitting the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, usually you know what that is, too. It's, it's got oh, a certain Oh, right. Yeah, right. I, I'm sure there was, which is how, why else would you throw three straight at a man after missing him once already in a game? Yeah. Retaliation, as we've talked about before on this show, mm-hmm. is you get one shot. You yeah, take right. more than one shot, it's problems. You right? You, yeah. Right. So you got one. We're five deep, Travis. Mm-hmm. Five deep. Yeah, that's definitely, you're making a statement. Yes. And I guess it is August and you're 10 games behind and everybody's fucking over, you know, it's hot out. Right. <laughs> it's hot Atlanta, man. Yep. So somehow an inning and a half goes by without incident. When Craig Lefferts comes on in relief for the Padres in the eighth for what will almost certainly be Atlanta's final at-bat of the game, given the uh, 4-1 to lead that's happening right now, Lefferts gets out number one, bringing Pascual Perez to the plate for the fourth time in the eighth inning. What's the score at this point? 4-1. 4-1 Padres? 4-1. Atlanta? Braves. <laughs> and he's going up to bat in <laughs> inning Just hold eight. that thought for me, okay? I just <laughs> wanted to make sure we were on the same sheet of music, as you've been hearing a lot of news reports lately, that phrase. That's an oddity if anybody doesn't know that. It just doesn't make sense. Like If you're a national team in the eighth inning, I'm biting my tongue so hard. Anyway, go ahead. I'm biting yeah. my tongue so hard. <laughs> no, I can't. At this point, you just have to. You got a question, Braves manager Joe Torrey, for sending him up there in the first place. <laughs> what are you doing, Joe? Waiting for a fight. It, it is absolutely crazy. So uh, let's go ahead and get to the idea that Lefferts is there with just like one mission at this mm-hmm. point. Like he hurls one hard and way inside that not even the incredibly agile thus far Perez can avoid. And Travis, now we find ourselves in the midst of a full-on baseball altercation. Yes. You ready to watch the benches clear? I can't wait. Is there a link for me? There is, uh, right there. Tempers flare. That's the one. That makes sense. Let's pull that up. Okay, for our listeners, we're going to watch this with the sound on, and we'll be commenting, and we may pause and go back if we have... If Travis has anything he'd like to point out. Or I probably will. I feel like I will. So just kind of hang in there with us. <laughs> and Again, called it's called Tempers Tem- yeah, Flare, and it's on the YouTubes. And we're going to hit play in three, two, one. Ozzy Virgil. So now Jack Crowell runs the glove, and Leffords delivers inside. Ooh, get him in the elbow? Elbow shot. I think he's a little nod. Yep. He's just walking out casually. Plate. We've got one going now. We've got one going now. Multiple guys on the ground. And there are some hot tempered individuals. He just went still by third base. 
What's that? He just went and stood by third base. Efforts, yeah. See, like just Craig Efforts away. just walks away Wait, from the pile. There's an umpire on the ground in the middle of it. John McSherry, the crew chief. How big is that fucking fat guy? That guy's in the middle of it. Well, he's on the ground like a beached whale. Look at the overhead shot. Look at him swirling around. Oh, there's man. Oh, literally five fights, fights happening. Damn. Couple headlocks. Yeah. Just a couple opposite players. Champ Summers coming up here. He's trying to go after Perez from the jump. Got tackled. And then gets loose. Here he goes. Watch this shit. Look at Bob Horner. Oh, yeah. Fans jumping on the field. The fan throws a beer, two fans jump on top of Champ Summers with Bob Horner and they all go to the ground. Holy shit. There are multiple fans involved. And he had some really nice yellow pants on. Did you notice those? Yeah, that was he Ralph did. <laughs> that was. With the stripy tank top. That's a really those big are shorts, collar. by the way, I think. Yellow <laughs> shorts. <laughs> this is legs match that well. <laughs> What uh, time are you at? I am at uh, just short of two minutes. All right, we're waiting until 310. Don't forget. Because this shit okay, doesn't we've stop. Got, we've got one fan that's fan in the dugout. Fan of the dugout. <laughs> what's, what's, what's happening to him? <laughs> Tim Flannery <laughs> is going ape shit. So they go from the dugout. Bald man at 28 years old. <laughs> Got the mustache. That's the second he looks shift. like your plumber. He's, he's just off the swing shift. He made it for some time for the game. <laughs> oh, man. I just love the location changes. Then we went from middle of the field to dugout back right? to home plate. Because it's just popping off yeah. everywhere. Not so funny anymore. <laughs> it just looked like one of the catchers was just laughing his ass out, bro. Oh, dudes are in handcuffs. You can't yeah. jump on a field. Yeah, man. <laughs> you can't jump on the field. You can't jump on a player for sure because now, you know, I don't know if we caught it, but he said it out loud. Like, now you've just turned the players into a fraternity against the fans in their own stadium. Oh, yeah. Can't do it. You don't want any part of that. No. Nope. That there isn't a player out there in the field that's hurt. Let's watch what happens. Okay, again. that's it right yeah, there. Here we go again. <laughs> here we go again. Yeah, starting in the beginning, I mean, he gets blasted in the elbow with that pitch. That looked like shit. Blasted. <laughs> that's not. Lefferts was like, "Nah, uh, son, yeah. you're getting hit today. Even I'm not taking the five hundred dollar fine that I can't tell anybody about just because no. you didn't get hit by a baseball today, motherfucker." Well, I love how he gets puffy chested after he hits him, and then. While there's a fight breaks out, he goes and stands by third base and just turns around yeah. with his push broom mustache <laughs> yeah. and lets his boys fight for him. It's pretty crazy. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Pasquale has got his bat in the air. Uh, and they don't, I didn't notice that. No, he is. He never lets go of the bat. No, he holds on to it. And, and when as he as he runs around behind the plate, he's got it up in the air, and he's like, come on, bring that shit. <laughs> just for a hot second, you can see him like... Like like a Heisman pose, oh yeah, with a handout, but instead of a football tucked under, he's got a baseball bat above his head, like Fred fucking Flintstone, about to take somebody's hat off. <laughs> yes. And then, but runs away, and that's why Champ Summers, the Vietnam vet, mm -hmm. sees 
Perez not drop a bat in a fight and then run to the fucking dugout for protection on some shit that he started. Yeah, he definitely started it. Yep. So Champ Summers loses his Vietnam goddamn mind mm-hmm. and goes after Perez like he's a wanted felon. Right. And and Summers is with the uh, Federal Marshals Department. He's making this thing right. Yeah, I can't get over the idea that Champ Summers is a TV detective somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the brawl lasted 10 minutes. Lefferts and Kroll were ejected, along with Summers and Bobby Brown and three Braves who came out of the dugout or bullpen, Gerald Perry, Rick Mahler, and Steve Bedrosian. 5-1 Braves on the scoreboard, 8-3 Padres, however, in the ejection lead. Really doing it on the ejection front, the Padres right you gotta now. You got to win somehow. I mean, like, get your licks in. <laughs> yeah, I guess like right, one way or the other. And, and this is usually—I feel like every time there's a common theme here, it's usually this lopsidedness to the whole game. You know, like where one team's in a certain s- space for the pennant, and the other team's like way behind. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The game is way out of fucking whack. You I, know, there's—it's that, or uh, you know, brewing beef yep. from just like recent events, building or the, the combination of those two things. And, Kind of so far, or just well, in, in the case of our first episode, just a random, right. spuriously weird case, turn yeah. of events that caused Babe Ruth to punch an umpire in the face. I, you know, like oh, it's yeah. just you never ever really know what's going to set it off. But in this case, we know that a 96 mile an hour heater to the back of Alan Wiggins from Pasquale Perez set this one <laughs> that off. Was the beginning. It just took yep. eight innings mm-hmm. for it to get all the way done. Thank God. But wait. Not. There's more ball game to play. <laughs> we still got an inning and a half here. <laughs> Braves reliever Donnie Moore facing Kurt, Craig Nettles rather to lead off the ninth. And just beforehand in the dugout, Nettles leans into Kurt Bavakwa, who you saw, you maybe saw there swinging wildly a couple of times. Oh, that was Kurt. Uh, no, he was just one of the many that were you saw. Fl- see, that's the, the thing about these fights. You always see like flashes of things for a moment. Yep. And you, maybe you catch the guy's name, maybe you don't. Uh, even replaying it back sometimes a lot, especially when these 80s videos, it's yeah. so, so grainy, you can't really make well, out the name. I, I feel like that this time, too, there was a lot of go-to to like the headlocks or like even grabbing the other players and holding them down or like how the fights kind of go into like a wrestling form Absolutely. a lot of time yeah. in this area, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, Reggie Jackson, uh, yeah. that was his fighting philosophy. Yeah, there's been a, he, a few around 70s, and, 80s where it's like headlock is the thing. And just get him at a headlock because right. if you punch somebody, you're going to hurt your hand and miss the playoffs. Yeah, we talked about that. If yeah. Don't throw a punch. The Reggie Jackson philosophy. You just grab them. Grab them and Especially if you're Reggie. choke them out. Maybe. He's probably got some strong ass hands. Yeah, I'd giggle if you're Reggie. <laughs> I'm bigger than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nettles leans into Bavakwa on the bench before grabbing his bat to say, hey, KB, get ready. Why? asked Bavakwa. Because I hit Donnie Moore during the fight. He's going to get me. <laughs> Close quote. Yes. He's, he knew it. This isn't done yet. This is It is not done yet, so why don't you go ahead and click that next link. Okay. I'm still at the old video. Let me get some shit straight in my life here. Y'all queued up? Oh, yeah. In three, two, one. Has worked eight innings, allowed five hits, one run. So here we've got Donnie Moore about to face Craig Nettles. 
after Nettles has punched Donnie Moore on his person with physical violence and malice aforethought. <laughs> nobody really thought any of this through. No. But nobody ever really did. Like, Pasquale forgot he had to go hit. And here's Donnie Moore. First one high and away. Yeah. High and away, right? Like, yeah. he's... Everything's fine. Nettles right now is thinking to himself, well, well shit, maybe this boy ain't so bad. Nope. Maybe this guy up. ain't going to hit me after all. Maybe he just knows it was a little bit of a diamond dust up, and we're just out here being good old boys, and, well, maybe he won't. God damn it, right there. Ow. Here comes Greg Nettles. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Donnie Moore. Hey, press pause here for a second. Let's just back it up to about... Uh, to, to let's see here. Let's call it 128. Okay. And then what I want you to focus on here is Donnie Moore's glove. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As, as don't watch Greg Nettles. No. Don't watch anything else. Just watch Donnie Moore's glove. And eventually, what I'm saying is, you will also be watching Craig Nettles. You ready to go? Yep. In three, two, one. Left side of the ass to a left-handed oh, yeah. batter. Boom. Did you see that shit? Donnie Moore throws an uppercut for that starts about three feet behind him with his glove on his left hand into the face of Craig Nettles. Oh yeah, stops and then just walks away. Just keeps going. Just turns left and walks away while everybody piles on top of him. So oh, now man. everything's calm here for just a hot second. I have never seen a ball game where so many separate incidents Nettles is tackled by now his uh, teammate Chain, Chris Chambliss from earlier with the, on the Yankees they played together. Chambliss tackles him, gets him to the ground, is like, hey, 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 hey. Donnie Moore just standing there looking. Joe Torrey, the manager of the Braves, being chased by fat boy John McSherry because now Goose Gossage has been tackled by Watson. And over on the sideline... Oh, my goodness. They're trying to get to more. And Flannery, again, is is uh, is a wild man. And now there is an absolute pileup in front of the dugout again. Bodies on the ground. Gossage somehow is now behind the fray of everything, just standing there with his hands on his hips. There's Al Wiggins with the little gray spot at the bottom of all the pile after all of this. Just looks exhausted. Just listing off all of these players. There's, there's Wiggins getting torn away by Joe Torrey and pulled away from the, uh, the pile. What a game, dude. I mean, absolutely. Here we go again. Here we go again. Now it's Flattery again with Garber, the uh, pitcher from earlier. Garber spins him around and throws him away. And now there's eight Braves, and Flattery's thinking better of it, although he will not stop jaw jacking. No. Out in front of the dugout, a couple of the Braves players who have been ejected, Rick Mailer and Steve Bedrosian, are both out on the field. So Damn, how many Bedrosian's on the bottom of the pile, on top of a Padre under there. You can't even see who it is. What'd you ask? There's going to be 15, 20 piles in this game. It's absolutely Joe Torre down on the ground. Wow. Huh? That is, oh my God. I mean, it was pretty much straight two innings of fight. A build-up to two innings of straight brawls. Uh, Absolute insanity and mayhem. And how many different locations and how many different times? All over. Never made it to the outfield. Yeah. I don't think they ever got to the outfield. 
Oh, that's man. a that's a rare thing, haven't you noticed in in uh, diamond dust uppery? Yeah, you got to keep uh, it close. It's rare to the fans. when the fight gets onto the outfield. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have very a rare. Usually, it does involve a fan. If there's something crazy going on in the outfield, there's a fan in there's there a fan somewhere. That jumped in. Usually, is is been my experience. Yeah, this has been a. I mean, this is like the the back and forth and ups and downs and stops and goes has been. Pretty intense. It's insanity, this game from beginning to end. And now after the benches and dust cleared the second time, Moore and Nettles were both ejected, one for the pitch, one Mm -hmm. for the mound charge thereafter. Joe Torre was tossed due to having been warned already in the second inning. And And now he's in the fight. Now (laughs) he's actually in there a little bit on the ground, rolling around, trying to be a peacekeeper, I'm sure. But uh, Tim Flannery having pinch hit and then being replaced in the Padres lineup was ejected from a game he could no longer enter anyway, <laughs> along with reliever Goose Gossage, who'd pitched the eight for the Padres and taken out, as was Kurt Bavacqua, who, after having been hit by a flying beer, yeah. went into the stands after the tosser who tossed it. <laughs> I wonder if like the official stats guy was like really fucking pissed. It's like, no, wait a minute, what the <laughs> hell's going on? Who got... Who's the last ejection? Yeah, or it was the best day of his fucking life. Oh, right? <laughs> you know or he I mean? could have been just the happiest picking <laughs> slop. Like, totally. oh my God. I've been waiting for this. I have been my whole life dreaming of the day when I would run out of ink in my pen trying to get all the notes down. Yeah. They told me a fifth page on these reports was stupid. <laughs> ha! I say to you now, ha! Yeah, this is the reason. That's awesome. Crew chief John McSherry, he, of course, the large one who looks like a big old berry. He's right in the middle, too, the whole time. A whole in the middle of everything, chasing guys around. Not He's stopping not fast anything. enough for he this. He can't do shit. anything about anything. He's umpiring first base that night. He then cleared both benches off to their respective locker Just rooms. Just stopped the game. For the final outs <laughs> of the game. Well, he did say earlier he thought about a forfeit. Uh, but then things settled down for a minute, and everything thought everything was going to be fine. But we got through seven and a half. Let's just fucking call so, it. So, like, we're here in the middle of the eighth. In fact, you know, like it's it's bottom. Of, yeah, it's uh, it's top eight. So yeah. yeah, like you're right. So he just says go to the fucking locker rooms, mm-hmm. everybody. If you're not about to hit or on the fucking field. Get in the locker room. I would have got the fans out of there, too. It was <laughs> just, nuts. I mean, the fans are going ape shit crazy, jumping onto the field, throwing beers all over the Padres. Oh, yeah. It was absolute insanity. But the game occurred without further to do with the Padres scoring two incredibly insignificant runs given the proceeding. Because it was 4-1 at this point? Yes. All right. Not tossed from the game, Alan Wiggins who took the initial beanball and was clearly at the bottom of a pile fighting a man. Yes. 100%. After the second uh, uh, bench clearing. Well, I think even in the first one they talked about, they, they threw out three guys that came out of the bullpen. So it seems like they're just like kind of picking random dudes. You know? Yeah, I think it was just who the refs could actually get an eyeball on doing okay. a thing and then actually get the number or the name at the same time. It was right. a fucking train wreck. Yeah, there was like a Like an in-motion train wreck. There's Everybody like, should have been thrown out of the game. The whole... Game should have, yeah. I mean, there you have something with the forfeiture idea, you know, like they should have just stopped the game, but they did not. Thank God. So, uh, Alan Wiggins, not thrown out, who took the initial bean ball. Bob Horner, who was on the DL and therefore not even technically available to play, he was up in the press box. And once he sniffed it out that shit was going to go south in a hurry, (laughs) he said with the fucking owners. And he goes down to the locker room, puts on a uniform. He's got a cast on his right arm. 
Sorry, fellas. My boys need me. Uh, it's been good chumming it up and eating the shrimp. <laughs> I got to go kick somebody's ass. I'll see y'all later. Yeah, you guys pay me for Downs this. Downs an extra shrimp, <laughs> crushes a keystone, Yeah, and just runs down to the field. Hey, you guys know who the best person to get kicked out would be? Me. me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even in the game. So I would have loved it if the owner would have sent him down. Right? <laughs> what the fuck? Hey, Horner, are you going to go earn your goddamn money today or not? <laughs> you haven't earned your money Ted in a month. Oh, God, it's Ted Turner. <laughs> hey, Bob Horner, you going to get down there and punch somebody or what? I'm paying for this. <laughs> that was a good Ted Turner. Thanks. Appreciate you. So he's not even available to play, let alone toss out of the fucking game. No. And one Pasquale Perez. Perez, in fact, notched the win. To put himself at 11-4 on the season. Nice. That's probably his favorite win of the year. Well, maybe not. <laughs> he got thrown out 17 times. Final game score, 5-3 Braves. Final ejection score, 12-5 Padres at a blowout. Nice. Although, if you count the five arrests made of Braves fans mm-hmm. in the crowds, the final tally is much closer 12-10 to 10 decision. Yeah. That's, a good, that's how it should be played. Yeah. After the game... There was much shit talking in the media. Was there a day three in this? This, uh, <laughs> this there was not a media trip. fight of any kind. They no. did not decide to, as far as I know, meet behind the old sand lot mm. and get it on in the middle of the night when nobody was looking. Braves center fielder Dale Murphy, who made a brilliant diving catch to mercifully end the game, uh, quote, I just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> All I was thinking was, let it end right now. I'm totally exhausted from that fiasco. Close quote. Who was that again? Dale Murphy. Murphy, legendary was over. Braves. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a young cat. You know, he's, he's still pretty young, I guess, at that point. Now he's yeah, he's established. Never mind. Mm-hmm. It would have been simpler. Uh, sorry, let me start that again. It would have been a lot simpler if we'd hit Perez his first time up. Yeah, Padres catcher. Maybe Terry just fucking Kennedy stopped said. after the first two. You know, <laughs> Terry Kennedy, smart man. He went on to manage baseball teams. You know. The tools of intelligence. The catcher's really, you know, check with the catcher if you really want to know what the hell's going on. They usually become pretty good managers. He continued to say, the whole thing got pretty ridiculous. It's bad to have kids watch something like this. I think the 90s. Close quote. Yeah, that's when the 90s cleaned themselves up a little bit. I think, like, you know, it, it was a little different then. You know, except for the steroids. <laughs> Horner, then the Braves team captain, said, quote, about one more pitch and you'd have probably seen a full-scale riot out there. Fans were getting a little crazy, and they probably had quite a bit to drink, and they were just about ready to come over the sides in large numbers. Ninth inning, everybody's fucking. I don't up. think we had enough police out there to stop them. Close mm. quote. You got fifty some thousand in this dance. Who knows? Twenty three, <laughs> almost twenty four thousand that day. Twenty three nine. Okay, according to BaseballReference.com. McSherry, the crew chief umpire, said, "Quote: It set the game back fifty years." <laughs> That's kind of a harsh statement, <laughs> but it was it was a big fight. He continued to say, I've never seen violence like that. It's a miracle someone didn't get seriously hurt. Close quote. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've, we've seen some people get hit with bricks in this shit. We've seen people get hit with bats. Nobody saw that. That was a brick. Yeah. I mean, the brick was, I mean, we heard about that. Right, that right. was like in 1910 in yeah. a, a minor was... league game in a small town somewhere in America. Like, nobody's right. ever... 
Uh, there like, was a lot. Even There's when <laughs> Juan Marichal took a bat to a man. <laughs> that was only seen on newsreels and only if you knew a guy because they weren't putting that out for public release. They're right. not going to show that on anything. The headline no there was, was a fight. That. that was about it. Yep. Yeah. Brawl ensues oh, you yeah. know, in, in announcer voice. You're not going to see. See it live. I mean, I won't even go into the specifics of the racial tensions of the day. They're not going right. to put a very large black man beating a catcher with a baseball bat. There'd be riots the next day. That's and a smart move. Yeah. You know, they just couldn't show this kind of stuff back mm-hmm. in the day. But now it's live. It's happening. They're covering it all. By 1984, this was the story on SportsCenter for a week. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Did SportsCenter exist in 84? Oh, yeah. Did it? Oh, the earliest days, too. It's some okay. of the, It's great. They're, it's not like the earliest, earliest days. So they got a little polish on them, but it's still like huge haircuts and like they're wearing. Yeah. It's I remember some of the early stuff. videos, but I didn't know it was that long. I thought it was a little more late 80s, but okay. Nice. Uh, you were one. What do you know? I don't remember shit. I was that. at my grandpa's house at the cottage watching all sorts of good shit because we didn't have cable where I was. Yeah. I mostly just remember the 90s. Besides kind of the wood grain walls of the 80s. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, I'm sure that left a lasting impression, (laughs) even on a one-year-old, for sure. There was enough of it around. It it probably felt like you were born into an environment of wood paneling. Yeah, how is everything plaid and wood grain? (laughs) (laughs) Why'd we carpet the hardwood? (laughs) (laughs) San Diego General Manager Jack McKeon accused the umpires of losing control of the game. And you've made a point, and I I kind of agree that that shit did get out of line. There was one guy right in the middle of it. I think he tried his fucking ass off. He how do you throw? How do you warn a guy in the second inning, and then let him throw three pitches at a guy in the fourth? Yeah. Well, two pitch, two more before you throw him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. John yeah. McSherry uh, and Mr. Uh, Ripley. Rip, I believe it was Ripley. Yeah. Not the greatest moments, especially because Ripley knew what was happening the day before. He was right there watching. He knew the tensions were high. Right. Soon as, I mean, I don't know why he doesn't throw Perez out of the game immediately, given the circumstances from the night before. Yeah, yeah. Could have gone right to both managers and said, look, fuckers, you heard these two last night. That's beef. That's bullshit. That's a beanball. He's gone. Either one of you got a beef with it, you're gone too. Right. Try to cut Would have been over and done there. Yeah. Would have had to do it the next time they met in September if you want to retaliate. Mm-hmm. Or if you retaliate after a stern warning and an immediate ejection, now everybody's gone. Maybe we do just forfeit the game, cancel the whole thing. But no, they didn't take control like that. So They're I don't 100% just... agree with the take. Right. But I see where he's coming from a little bit, especially because it's, but it's also the Padres. Jack McKeon was a notorious whiny bitch. Uh, is that true? I feel like it is, okay. even if it's not. I'm going to feel like it. Okay. The guy who lost control, according to McSherry, the guy who lost control was in their dugout, referring to manager Dick Williams, and that's the take I'm more inclined to agree with. He watched the last few rounds from up the stands, having a beer, watching his orders be executed. Braves manager Joe Torre, quote, in the event Pasquale hit Wiggins on purpose, which I don't believe now, then once they took their first shot at getting Pasquale, it should have been over with. But Williams insisted on precipitating this whole thing, and it got to be what could have been a riot out of the stands. He should be suspended for the rest of the season. It was gutless. It stinks. It was Hitler-like action, close Holy quote. Holy shit. 
Hitler-like he action. He dropped the Hitler bomb. Wow. He okay. is Joe Tory. Calm down, Joe. Disagrees with Mr. Williams. Apparently, assessment and the, and of the, the situation. The biggest amount. I mean, I, usually you don't pull that one up too subtly. No. But no. I, okay, so in different situations that we've had for dust-ups, I feel like we've been like, okay, they could have slipped. They, they might have been. Every single situation where a ball was thrown on a player in this situation was on purpose. One hundred percent, hundred intentional, with the desire to. There well, wasn't any question. It was every one of them was on purpose. Absolutely, there was a lot of talk in the by the pundits and the pontificators on uh, uh, ESPN. Yeah, at the time about uh, Pasquale wielding the bat as a weapon, choosing those words specifically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is a baseball at 90 miles an hour? Yeah, he's pretty upset that he's got thrown at six times in a row. I, I don't know. mean, like, there's, there are guys running at him from every direction who blame him for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world he's either. He's 162 pounds, yep. dripping wet with a hard on and an application of thick jerry curl juice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just he's not trying to fight anybody. No. He claims later that it was not intentional. He's never trying to hit anybody. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I'm skinny. I don't want to fight anybody. I don't go, I don't do good in fights, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm here to pitch. These guys are monsters. Yeah, but that's we all know that's bullshit. Right. He absolutely came out to hit Alan Wiggins. It was for, 100%. For bunting his way on base. The whole game previous before. Yep, yep. Something Dick Williams, you should have never got mad about in the first place. <laughs> I mean, it's, right, when they, is the bunt illegal? No. Did they illegalize the bunt? Yeah. No? Shut the fuck up. Right. That might be his way of just trying to make him not do it. Maybe try to talk shit enough to where he doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> you know, who knows, guess, he knows his motivation. Or I he was guess, actually. Yeah, right, because he doesn't want to get bunted on the, the next day. He's going to yeah. have to field things. Maybe it's worked in the past. I don't <laughs> want to fucking field tiny little ground balls. <laughs> Swing the bat, you pussy. And that's exactly what he said, uh, according to some, the day before. He just kept yelling, swing the bat, you pussy, oh, uh, at Alan Wiggins. Gotcha. Nice. Yep. Very, very classy. Leads to 17 fights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Williams said the Braves started it. And, quote, we will not be intimidated. Tory called Dick Williams, quote, an idiot. And you can spell that with a capital I and a small W. Close quote. <laughs> Williams retorted to Tor- I am going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> Williams retorted to Tory's gutless claim by saying, quote, I'll meet him anywhere he wants, on a street corner in New York where he's from or wherever. At least he's learning how to spell better. Tell Joe Tory to stick that finger he's pointing. Close quote. Oh my god, this is awesome. <laughs> it sounds like a WWE fucking Hey, exchange. you want to throw it out on your own street corner? I'll come to your house and beat your ass. I'll meet you in the New ring York. right now. <laughs> come on, New York. You want to fight New York? I'll fight you in New York. In New York. <laughs> Where's your dusty circle at? I'll meet you there right now. You <laughs> draw a line floor. in any sand, I'll step right over it. <laughs> of the brave starting pitcher, Williams said, there is not enough mustard in the state of Georgia to cover Mr. Perez. <laughs> To which Perez replied, I'm no hot dog. <laughs> which he clearly was. He was the, the, one of the hottest of dogs of the day with his fucking finger six-shooter guns at a strikeout. Sprinting off the mound. End the inning with a strikeout. Sprint off the mound with your chains jangling. And oh, you're, yeah. you know, like, it's, 
There's enough, he was enough mustard in not Georgia. Not enough mustard in the state of Georgia to cover Mr. Perez. So good. Four days later, Chubb Feeney, the National League president, suspended Williams for 10 days and fined him $10,000. Mm. Tory was suspended for three days and fined $1,000. Even though umpire McSherry had said the Braves manager, quote, did a great job in trying to keep the team under control, close quote. In all... 18 players, managers, and coaches drew fines and or suspensions, including 12 Padres and six Braves. Perez's fine was only $300, which incensed the Pirates, as you may imagine, Mm -hmm. who went on to reach the World Series that season, so they got the last laugh. The five arrests... uh, The five arrested fans were charged with disorderly conduct. One of them... Also, with simple battery. The one that jumped it right on top. (laughs) One of them deserved it for sure. They probably all deserved it. The orange shorts guy. Orange shorts, stripy tank top guy. Yeah. Oh, that guy's classic. Totally. And uh, also a complete asshole coward who dove from uh, the top rail of the first row onto Champ Summer's Mm -hmm. back. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw it. And from... drug him down to the ground. I mean, like, <laughs> what in the fuck is going through your mind? And it's halfway, like, in the air, like, halfway to Champ's back. Yeah. Is he like, this is a great idea. Yeah, this is my moment. I've been waiting for this moment. He seems very easy to pick out of a lineup. I mean, I saw him 40 years later on a grainy video. I could pick him out right now. It's <laughs> like the guy with the huge collar. He's, and he's the orange 86 shorts. years old, but he's got the same clothes on. <laughs> I could do it. They're like, there's the guy. That's the dude. That's that dude. <laughs> and that, Travis, is what many people call the greatest brawl in baseball history. But what I'm calling, you got to be Fulton kidding me. Here on Diamond Dustups, I'm Paul Gordon. I'm Travis Doyle. And you're out of here. Diamond Dustups is hosted by Travis Doyle and Paul Gordon. Original logo art by Dan Man Carter. Graphic design by Nate Abbott. Theme music performed by the Split Fingers. Jesse Morgan piano. Ross Huff trumpet. Lyrics by Paul Gordon. Vocals by Not Harry Carey. If you have a baseball altercation you'd like us to cover, email your suggestion to diamonddustups at gmail.com.